Hello, everyone, and welcome to the San Juan Snowcast. I'm your host, Chris. Today is Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021, and you're tuned in to episode 10. Hey there, listener. How are you? Hey, have you been skiing? That was a wild ride we had there for a little bit. Lots of new snow, lots of avalanches, lots of folks poking around and remotely triggering things. Yeesh. Well, luckily, at least in Colorado, we came through those high and considerable days without anyone getting caught, injured, or killed in an avalanche. Sadly, other states weren't so lucky, and we'll have some more details on that later. But here in the San Juans, the danger has been easing and weather has been steadily improving since last Wednesday's snowfall. It's been dry, with temperatures trending upwards and winds trending downwards throughout the last few days. I was out on Sunday, and skinning in the sunshine was hot. But dang, it sure is nice to be skiing. After a desolate and depressing November, the snowfall from the last two weeks has kicked the stoke into overdrive. And as of yesterday's solstice, winter is finally, officially, here. Last week's show was a long one, so this week's show is going to be a bit shorter. We're going to take a look at the state of the snowpack, get hyped for this prolonged period of storminess that's coming our way, and learn more about the first Avi deaths of the season in the U.S. At the end of the show, I'm going to dive a little deeper into my thoughts on mindfulness and share with you some new mindsets that we can establish at the outset of our touring day to help keep our brains on track for good decision making. This is the second to last episode of 2021 and the last show before Christmas, So, whether you've been naughty or nice, you better get ready, because Santa is bringing a big ol' snowstorm, and because the snowcast starts now. Alright, let's kick things off with the state of the snowpack and a look at the weather. Well, the snow we got in early December was absolutely crucial for saving our early season. Prior to the storm, it was looking bleak. On December 5th, we had just 13 inches at the Red Mountain Pass Snowtail site, whereas six days later, the snowpack was sitting at 39 inches. 300% increase. Similarly, over on Lizardhead Pass, we went from 0 inches to 24 inches. And even down the La Plata's outside Durango, the snowpack tripled going from 11 inches in Columbus Basin to 33 inches in just five days. Since that big stormy week, there was six inches of snow last Tuesday, but it's been pretty dry since then. And looking at our snowpack in terms of snow water equivalent, the river basins of the San Juan Mountains are back to 73% of average. So even with that huge storm that tripled our snowpack, we're still below average. But hey, at least there's enough snow to ski, and that means there's also enough snow to avalanche. Let's do a quick recap on the action we've seen in the wands in the last two weeks and see if we can pull out some common trends regarding aspect and elevation. So, the last human-triggered slides in our area occurred on December 16th, with a few skiers remotely triggering a large wind-loaded pocket near Treeline in Commodore Basin near Red Mountain Pass, and a snowmobiler remote triggering a northeast-facing slope above Treeline from way down low in Prospect Basin, also off of Red Mountain Pass. The common themes for these avalanches and other slides documented prior to the 16th are that they were mostly remotely triggered, sometimes from very far away. They occurred mostly near and above treeline where wind transport has created stiffer and thicker slabs above the old snow, 
and most of them occurred on the north and northeast side of the compass where old weak snow persists under the new snow. All of these trends certainly make sense for a persistent slab avalanche problem. And while the hazard rating has dropped to moderate for the last few days, and we haven't received any reports of new avalanches, that persistent weak layer is still hanging out down there. Heck, that's why we call it persistent. And while the likelihood of triggering it may be decreasing, the consequence remains the same, a large and dangerous slab avalanche. Like I mentioned earlier, we got lucky in Colorado to come out of those high danger days relatively unscathed. But in other parts of the U.S., folks are already dealing with tragedy. In Washington, on December 11th, a group of six backcountry tours headed into Silver Basin, a part of the Crystal Mountain that hasn't opened yet, and as they were ascending on an east-facing slope above treeline, it avalanched, catching all six of them and fully burying three individuals. One buried individual was resuscitated on scene, but unfortunately, uh, another individual was strained through a stand of trees and died from multiple blunt force traumatic injuries. Six days later, in the Big Hole Mountains just west of Teton Valley in Idaho, two 17-year-old boys, one on skis and one on a snowmobile, were both on an east-facing slope above treeline when an avalanche released above them, catching, burying, and killing them both. These guys were in high school, and it's not clear whether they were carrying avalanche gear or not. Either way, it's incredibly sad to lose someone in an incident like this, and my heart goes out to all the families of the victims. What common trends do we see? Well, I see several. More than one person on a slope that could avalanche, the slope triggering above the individuals involved, and the terrain matches up, east-facing slopes above treeline. As with all avalanche accidents, we do our best to reflect and learn, and hopefully take a moment to realize the serious risks that we take when we venture into avalanche terrain. Now, let's transition into talking about what lies ahead. And I'll preface this forecast by saying, it's pretty rare for us here in the San Juans to get many days in a row of stormy, snowy weather. Usually we get overnight storms and the occasional two-day event, but it's never long before the blue skies return and the snow starts to melt. However, the next 10 days could give us a true prolonged period of stormy weather and some incremental snow loading, which is the best way to build up our snowpack. The action kicks off on Thursday when, according to NOAA, a moderate atmospheric river begins to push inland across Southern California and Northern Baja. That's right, we're going to get our own atmospheric river. At the same time, a big closed low pressure system will be dropping south along the west coast of Canada, and as it pushes southward, It'll help that AR move further inland, which sets us up with a lot of available moisture for our storms. Initially, the systems will arrive on southwest flow and will favor the southwest corner of the San Juans. Looking at you, La Platas, with orographic showers starting Wednesday night and into Thursday. Precipitation rates should ramp up through Thursday and into Friday, and come Saturday morning, depending on which model you look at, we could have anywhere from 6 inches to a foot or more of new snow on the ground. But that's just the beginning, because snow showers should linger throughout the weekend, and with more storm energy entering the PNW early next week, it'll hopefully keep our area under southwest flow, bringing with it the potential for surges of moisture to support a lot more precipitation events next week. Wondering where I got all this weather information? Well, that's a good question. Well, I get most of it from the area forecast discussion that is put out every morning by the Grand Junction National Weather Service. It comes out around 3 a.m., Dang, weather guys wake up early. And you can find it by scrolling down to the bottom of any NOAA.org spot weather forecast page. 
I also read the Colorado Daily Snow from Joel Gratz over at Open Snow. And I usually check in to see what the Durango weather guy has to say. I also run weather models on the CAIC website and at weathermodels.com, as well as looking at windy.com and a few other forecasting services. So as you can tell, there's a lot of different ways to figure out the forecast, but I rely on a variety of sources to create my understanding of the weather. Long story short, folks, we're going to get some serious snowfall in the coming days, and snowy weather should persist throughout the rest of 2021. And while I try to never put too much stock in a long-range model run, the American-made GFS model, which stands for Global Forecast System, shows that we could get somewhere between 30 to 50 inches of new snow by January 1st. That's pretty exciting, huh? Well, you know what that calls for. Extended Funk Break! Alrighty then, mindset. So two weeks ago, I did a segment on mindfulness and I talked about how the ways in which we show up for a backcountry tour can influence how we engage with our environment and thus our ability to remain observant and informed as we move up a skin track or down a slope. With all the human factor traps, implicit biases and unconscious behaviors that we as humans fall victim to, it sometimes feels like you need to be operating at 100% just to be a good backcountry partner. And yeah, I guess that's kind of true. I mean, we really don't operate well in any arena, whether it's on a stage, in the office, or in the field, if we're stressed, tired, anxious, sad, or even ego tripping. And for these reasons, saying I'm going to be more mindful and vigilant on this tour sometimes just isn't enough. And that's why on the professional side of things, We establish a mindset at the start of every day from the comfort of the indoors before we head into the backcountry, where sparkling powder slopes sing like sirens, trying to get us to ditch our plan and stroke our egos. The goal of setting a mindset is to intentionally approach each day by setting some parameters for how you are going to operate out there on that day. The mindset that we choose will largely be based on the objective factors, like the avalanche problem, the weather, and what terrain we want to avoid, But it's also an opportunity to check in with your group's subjective factors. Are we frothing for pow turns? Does anyone else feel wrung out from that marathon of late night ski tuning shifts? How's a so-and-so holding up after getting dumped by their significant other? The mindset you choose will ultimately act as a lens through which information will be analyzed and decisions will be made. In 2014, Roger Atkins introduced his concept of strategic mindsets to the International Snow Science Workshop in Banff, Canada. Since then, it has become common practice among snow pros to debate their daily operational mindset at painfully early guides meetings, trying desperately to narrow down their approach for the day to one of seven categorical mindsets. I've witnessed some contentiously heated discussions over the subtle nuances between each of these seven categories. And while I don't think it's that helpful to get bogged down into the weeds, I do think that the robust information-driven conversations that result from the process of establishing a mindset are awesome. Think about it as a conversation starter for you and your partners that forces you to dive a bit deeper into what the conditions are telling you before you even put your boots on. In the latest edition of The Avalanche Review, which is a seasonal publication produced by A3, the American Avalanche Association, 
Colin Zacharias has an article on applying the strategic mindset framework to recreational backcountry users. And as soon as I read it, I knew I wanted to share it here on the pod. I cannot underestimate the value of this practice of taking the time before your tour to talk with your partners and establish a mutually agreed upon mindset for the day. Colin and his colleagues have created four different mindsets based off the work by Atkins that we can choose from to help us approach the day with more intention. Every day you go touring, you can choose one of these mindsets, which has a corresponding attitude describing how your team will approach the day. Now, I'm going to read these straight out of Colin's article. So here we go. The first mindset is called check it out. And under this mindset, your goal is to observe but avoid the avalanche problem of the day. So this is a good mindset to be in when you have low familiarity or confidence in either the terrain or your team and or you have high confidence that the conditions are indeed dangerous. The goal in this mindset is to increase your confidence through careful targeted observations without exposing yourself to avalanche risk. And ultimately, in this mindset, the group agrees to select a zone that offers several options that will help eliminate exposure to avalanche terrain. Choices could include low angle or primarily forested terrain. And in general, the group should agree to avoid big overhead slopes and on days with higher avalanche hazard, agree to avoid traveling through runout zones or connected terrain. I've been in a check it out mindset pretty much all season trying to establish some baseline understanding of what the snowpack is doing and reduce my uncertainty by poking around out there. The next mindset is keep it mellow. And the strategy there is to limit exposure by avoiding steeper slopes, wind loaded start zones and trigger zones. This is a good mindset to be if you have moderate confidence in your assessment of the hazard and your team's skills and knowledge, and you're able to identify the avalanche problems and uncertainties that may cause you issues. In this mindset, you should create a plan with a wide range of options that allows you to gather relevant information while maintaining a large margin for error. And in this mindset, you should be aware that good decision-making is going to be essential to avoid triggering avalanches that could bury, injure, or kill someone. I would say that I'm in the keep it mellow mindset for most of the season here in the San Juans. You know, we live with this persistent slab problem that never seems to go away. And sometimes we're at moderate avalanche danger for the entire winter. So what that means is we need to be ever vigilant that that problem is out there and we also need to build in big margins so that even when we're feeling confident, uh, there's room for error. The next mindset is called step it up. And under this mindset, we begin to carefully consider steeper options during periods when we haven't seen any avalanches and we're not expecting to trigger any avalanches. In order to be in this mindset, you have to have high confidence in your assessment of the terrain, the conditions, and your team members. And you have to have training and experience in this realm to make good terrain choices. This mindset also assumes a low chance of avalanches with no persistent slab or wind slab problems. And in general, your team members need to all agree that it is the right day to venture out into more exposed avalanche terrain. So this is not a mindset to take lightly. And everyone in the group needs to be still aware of the potential consequences that come with increasing your exposure and venturing onto steeper slopes. I would say here in the San Juans, we rarely get to be in this step it up mindset. Um, and if we do, conditions really need to align perfectly for us to be in that terrain. The next mindset is called time it early, which means getting out into the field and back before the hazard rises. So this is a good mindset to be in prior to an incoming storm or during spring-like conditions when the hazard is low. 
So in order to be in this mindset, you want to have low hazard early, but acknowledge that the conditions will deteriorate during the day. So this plan takes into account thawing of snow in the spring or rapid loading of new snow during a storm. And the important thing to remember this mindset is that it can be complex to predict the interaction between weather and mountain slopes. So by starting early, we build in this margin of error to make sure we get out early and we're not in harm's way with plenty of time to spare. I am definitely in this mindset a lot in the springtime when we are racing against the clock to ski our line in good corn conditions and not run the risk of triggering loose, wet avalanches. Also, I think, you know, before an incoming storm, I like to get out there and see what the snow surface is looking like before the new snow falls and making sure that you're not putting yourselves in harm's way. You want to get out of there before that rapid load comes and potentially creates a new avalanche hazard just while you're out touring. I really like these mindsets. And that's because they help us define how we should approach each day based off of our level of confidence in the terrain, the snowpack, the weather, and our group. And don't you know those four factors make up the avalanche triangle? They're also short enough to easily remember and to use for framing our attitude for the day. For instance, if we decide we're in a keep it mellow mindset, I need to adjust my expectations accordingly. Sounds like a good day for meadow skipping. And if we're going to check it out, We're not going out to tickle the dragon and cause avalanches. No, instead our goal should be to gather more information to increase our awareness of the hazard. Three little words, each describing a different philosophy and a different approach to our day. Heck, short enough to make into a mantra on the skin track. Keep it mellow, keep it mellow, keep it mellow. If I'm channeling that, then I'm far less likely to let my ego brain take over and convince me that I should be stepping it up. Mantras, mindsets, and mindfulness manage manipulation from the multitudinal missteps that we make, maybe. So either way, expect mindsets to be a big part of the conversation going forward in recreational avalanche education. And try to incorporate setting a mindset into your tour planning with your partners. And then hold yourself accountable in the field. Man, my ego brain says, go slash that wind-loaded pillow. But my mindset says, keep it mellow. Oh yeah, that's because wind slabs have been super touchy lately. And we decided to avoid wind-loaded slopes. That's right, that's right. Hey, thanks, mindset. Well, to recap... We should all give a big thanks to Colin Zacharias and all the folks he worked with on producing this framework and for sharing it in the Avalanche Review. Four phrases, four mindsets. Check it out, keep it mellow, step it up, or time it early. Funny enough, I think these mindsets are applicable to many situations in life. For instance, whenever I go out to pretty much any social gathering, I'm either there to check it out if I'm feeling a bit unsure or tired, keep it mellow if I gotta work the next day, Step it up if I'm feeling frisky, or time it early and get out of there with a classic Irish goodbye. Hopefully you find these little phrases helpful in framing how you approach your next day in the backcountry or your next day in life. Well, that's it for this week's show. But stay tuned to the Instagram account at San Juan Snowcast for some field reports in the coming days as we wait and see what this big storm does. And uh, happy holidays, everyone. 
Until next time, think snow. Mundo, 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 mundo.